I was thinking back, um, you know, about, I suppose, being a graduate teacher, mm-hmm. you know, and I was thinking back to my first year, but particularly term four. Like, I remember term one being overwhelming, but yeah. I think it went so quickly that I don't even really remember it. And yeah. I think I remember the first day of going, oh, my gosh, I'm here and there's no one else to, like, look over my yeah. shoulder. I have these kids all by myself. <laughs> but then I think the big thing that I turn around and reflect upon is term four. Yeah. It was just so massive. And term four, I think, for teachers are huge. But I think being a graduate teacher, I was, it was just massive, you know, like, so I just, I've got a list of things that I remember happening in Mm -hmm. term four. And this is without your teaching and your planning and going to staff meetings and all the things that you do just generally in your job. But, you know, we had camp in term four. Mm -hmm. So we had the preparation for that. We had the information night um, and we actually went on camp for three days, you know, and that in itself is exhausting Mm -hmm. when you come Mm -hmm. home and, you know, especially your first one, you know, I think I fell asleep for most of the weekend. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, your assessment and reporting, mm-hmm. you know, your reports are still such a huge, scary thing yeah. to do. That would have been my second lot. And so then trying to figure out exactly what I needed to do and write. Um, we had the VIT portfolio mm-hmm. that we had to do, and that was fairly newish. I think it was only the first or second year. Oh, yeah. um, and so, you know, we had this whole folio of, you mm-hmm. know, teaching, people watching me, me watching others, and in term four, really putting it all together. And then going and sitting in front of my leadership team and yeah. saying, hey, this is what I've done this year. But also walking in like an interview and worrying yeah. that maybe I would fail it. Yep. Um, but the big thing I think also that I had was in term four was, you know, the, um, the application and interview process. So I remember putting in an application as amongst as the prep for camp going on. Oh, yeah. And then I remember coming home from camp exhausted, burnt, <laughs> um, just a mess. Yeah. And then I got told as I came home that I had an interview Monday morning. So even though I did actually say I slept for most of the weekend, I think yeah. I slept for a bit, but then I went, oh, God, and got into panic station. Yeah. So I think from camp I went straight into my classroom, got the things that I needed oh, yeah. to take home with me, and then suddenly prepped for this interview on mm-hmm. Monday morning. And I sp- and what was really difficult is that that over that next couple of days, I actually didn't get my the job that there was a better applicants, mm-hmm. you know, and so then suddenly the stress of not only have I written an application and done the interview, yeah. but then the reality was that I wasn't actually getting that job back for the next year. Mm-hmm. So then suddenly, as well as planning, teaching, report writing, I then had to have that stress of going to then look for, mm. write new applications yeah. and look for a new job, yeah. which, you know, was incredibly scary, mm. you know, um, because I had done uh, my placement um, and got my first job from there. So oh. then being in a new school completely. Yeah. And in the end, it all worked out, and I was quite lucky that the next job I applied for, I got. So within a few days, I was I was already off to a new school. Mm-hmm. But just that pressure of term four, yeah. being a new graduate, was just extraordinary. You know, yeah, really, really tricky time trying to juggle and balance all these things. And particularly, I think the portfolio is great as it is, and mm. I think it's good to reflect back what you've learned. But even that big, mm. big piece of work as well with nothing else being taken away from a grad mm. teacher, and then trying to also get support from people like I, I had. Some members of my team were very supportive. I had friends there that were very supportive. Partner at home, um, he's a teacher and he had two more years experience, so he Mm -hmm. was very good at, you know. But I was also aware that it was a very busy time for all the other teachers too. So you kind of want to ask questions and things, but then you're going, oh, they're busy as well. They've got all this other stuff too, you know. What what really strikes me about your story, Kate, is um, how, one, how horrifying the whole situation (laughs) sounds, but how nothing you just raised then is out of the ordinary. No. That's the standard standard situation for a graduate teacher. So the job application thing, 
you know, probably made things worse. But mm. I, I think it's pretty standard for a graduate teacher to be on a contract position. It's oh, not, definitely. It's not that common for a no. teacher to get an ongoing position no. in their first go. And then I know now, like I kind of, I suppose, put my all my eggs in one basket when I'll, I'll, I'll get a job here next yeah. year, like I'm fine. Yeah. So I didn't apply anywhere else where I know now that teachers are become a bit more savvy and go, oh, look, you mm. know, I need to do some applying out and, yeah. and, and see what else is out there just in case that this doesn't fall through, you know, just mm. in case that uh, my job here isn't around. Yeah. yeah. But it is. It's very, I mean, I've had friends who have put in, you know, 10, 20, you know, applications all in Tempor as well. Mm. And t- today we're looking at that question of um, supporting graduate teachers to succeed. Um, and, and our big question being, uh, how can we effectively support teachers to build a long-term career in teaching? And given your story then, Kate, um, I, I wonder how anyone does. Mm. <laughs> it, it actually seems like a system that's designed to, to, to you know, hurt someone emotionally. Mm. Um, and, I mean, we're probably overstating it to say it's designed for that. No. Because, I mean, nobody's ever sat down and gone, how do I, how do I? Yes, know, yes. You know, but, but at the same time, it's not a system that actually supports people no. to feel like this is a no. career that's going to nourish them. And really, then apart from, I suppose, the VIT, because I'd passed that mm-hmm. for the next how many years, like I was on contract after contract after contract. So this was my norm, yeah. you know, for the end yeah. of the year, which yeah. is as just exhausting. Yeah. yeah. But, and it is, and then to then keep doing it year over, yeah. you know, year after year after year, yeah. you know, and then kind of This is my it. lot now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's I think it's a real shame because I do, you know, enjoy working with the kids and I do mm. enjoy my job. Yeah. But this time of year, you know, mm. you'd really, it would really get to me, you mm. know. Um, so this time around, it's, it's my turn to <laughs> read the article. Um, and I've actually found a, an amazing one. Um, it's called Beginning Teachers and the Emotional Drama of the Classroom. Um, can I recommend it to people to read, especially yeah. if you're either a grad or you're in a role where you're intending to support a grad? Because I don't think I've seen an article that um, so succinctly summarises what the challenges are. Yep. And at the same time, it's actually really well written. I've, I've, I don't know, you probably heard me going about this a bit, Kate. Um, I'm really interested in sort of the craft of writing. Yep. And I've read a few books about it where they're quite critical of academic writing because it's yep. so sort of dry and impersonal. And he's done a really good job in his article of sort of creating a story through the article as well. Wow. So it's just, yep. it's just my, you know, writing critique on top of everything else. <laughs> but um, in, in the article, he, he references um, a number of challenges for a beginning teacher. Um, there's the challenge of being a novice, yep. which is that idea that, you know, you knew it something and, and to accept that you're not going to be outstanding from day one. Yep. There's the emotional drama mm. of, of you know, your first few years in education. I mean, that's a constant, but I think it's more striking in your first few years as a teacher. Yep. Um, there's the challenge of securing the attention of the students. Um, so that's, you know, at one level just, you know, how to be good at teaching. Um, and finally, there's how, how, how does a graduate teacher care for their health and spirit? Mm. Um, and, and to me, the, the one around the challenge of being a novice was, I don't know, the one that rang true for me the most because I felt um, when I was starting teaching, the need to prove that I knew what I was doing all the time, especially yep. to my colleagues. Yes. Um, and many of them were very generous in offering support and help, which I was too proud to accept yep. because I wanted to prove that I knew what I was doing. Um, this is a, a quote I thought was really useful from the article. Um, he says that teaching is such an up and down affair, so contingent on a strew of fragile human variables 
so dependent on both careful planning and spontaneous improvisation that we treat our teaching as if it was an ever-evolving draft. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good way of looking at it. I don't think that's the way I looked at it when I went in. Yeah. I think yep. I, I, you know, I, I hoped I knew what I was doing really well. Your um, description, Kate, of, um, you know, feeling really overwhelmed mm -hmm. in the first year, the, the way I always think about it is I was completely convinced that at some stage in my first year, at any moment, someone was going to bound in the door and realise that I had no idea what I was doing and I had no business whatsoever being there. there. And there's one other time in my life I felt like that, and that's the first time I was ever driving a car on my own. Yep. So ooh, they should not be letting me do this. I do not know enough. Um, was, was that you know that that real real feeling of oh, if anybody knew how little I knew, there'd yes, be real yeah. trouble here. Um, the the idea of the emotional drama too. I think mm. um, that's a thing that takes a lot of people by surprise, and it yep. really took me by surprise too. I was not expecting. I, I don't know. I. I, I saw teaching as an academic pursuit. I didn't see it as um, sort of the social construct that it is and, yep. and, and how dependent everything is on the relationships with the students and the relationships with the family. Um, and, and that a lot of people are drawn to education with a passion. Um, and this is one of my common themes um, that, you know, that I think we overrate passion in education. Yep. We portray it as like, if only you were passionate, you know, People need to be more passionate, and if I'm, and all you really need is passion. I yep. just really reject that idea. Um, and a quote here he says, um, "Passion, by its nature, is combustible. Um, it connotes fever, zeal, and emotional energy that can sometimes manifest as raw, chaotic, and impulsive." Mm. That's probably one of the best critiques of yep. passion that I've ever seen because yep. yeah, that mirrors a lot of the reasons I don't like that we use the word passion so much in education. Um, but just the, the fact that the emotional drama can take such a toll on you as an educator, I think, is um, really tough. Um, and finally, just talking about the, you know, the, the nature of being in front of a class, um, there's, there's a number of things that make it difficult. So um, public scrutiny of standing in front of a classroom, I, I find that really exposing. Probably now that I've grown used to it, not so much. But at the beginning, just that notion that I would stand in front of a group of other humans mm -hmm and expect that they will listen to me, I, I just found confounding. And again, it, it surprised me how much that worried me. Um, the fear of not being liked and respected by students, yep. the vulnerability that comes with the awareness of how students, administrators, and other teachers judge your performance, yep. that one too. All, all those things, um, I th that's why I really liked that. The article, it was a summary of a lot of things that I wasn't able to articulate mm. around how I felt as a graduate teacher, and I think... Um, if, if you have a role where you're dealing with grads, it would be really valuable to read that because it, it, mm. it reminded me of a lot of the way I felt that I thankfully have now forgotten. Yes, yeah. But no, that's, to, um, they raised some really interesting points, you know, so I think that emotional drama, but then yes. also, yeah, that, oh, like standing in front of the kids and, mm. you know, do they like me, do they not like yeah. me, you know, and, and not that they need to like you, mm. but at that stage, you know, you're kind of hoping yeah. that they're happy to sit and listen to you. But yeah, and that emotional drama, I think, you know, and also not being able to walk away at four o'clock or mm. whatever time and then leave your work. You know, you're taking, particularly as a grad too, you're taking work home, going, oh, God, I've got to get more, more pressured by it mm. early on. Oh, yeah. I've got to cut this out for tomorrow and yeah. I've got to make this pretty thing to make sure that they can, you know, see exactly what I want them to do tomorrow. You know, and not being able to ever really leave 
your classroom. Yeah. And it's always on your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I think a lot of teachers talk about um, to the rest, you know, to everyone else they know, this idea that, you know, there's a, at some level your mind's constantly on the job. Always. And I don't think other people quite understand mm. what you mean mm-hmm. when you say that, you know, you get six weeks holidays, oh, you know, that, that, that complaint from, from a lot of the rest oh, of the community. You, um, you work from um, 8.30 to yeah. 4 o'clock, yeah. or 9 o'clock till 3.30, yeah. you wouldn't complain about yeah. holidays. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't think, it, I, I don't know how you explain that to somebody who hasn't felt it and felt yep. the emotional drama um, in a way that helps them really understand what, mm. what it is that, that, that's going on in your head. Mm. Mm. Exactly. There's so many things to juggle throughout the day, you know, the teaching, the kids that don't have lunches, the, you know, but there's so many thousand of things that run through your mind that you're dealing with all the time. And again, the fact that you never get to walk away and leave it, as well as then some of these big things that the graduates have to deal yeah. with is huge. We should introduce our guest mm. probably now. We've got Kylie Busk with us. Um, Kylie's an organiser at the IEU, Victoria and Tasmania branch. But Kylie was also a teacher before she started that role. Welcome, Kylie. Thank you. Thanks, Max. How much do you remember about your first year as a teacher? I've got some really vivid little grabs, oh, yeah. um, but but actually it does feel like a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but I guess I've been thinking about it quite a bit this year because a friend of mine has recently um, retrained yeah. and, oh, yeah. and is now a newly qualified teacher. Yeah. And so she's having the experiences of being a graduate mm. and I, I just listened to her in a – in a way that brings it all back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The things that Kate and I spoke about around, I don't know, feeling, feeling a little bit like a fraud probably for the first part. Do you remember Total fake, like yeah. yeah. I felt like a total fake and that at any moment they were going to realise what a stupid decision they made <laughs> in giving me a job. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just even that feeling of getting a role for the first time, you yeah. know, and being sent down to sort of mark a role and, oh, yeah. you know, and, you know, I, I actually you realise that there's a lot of administrivia that, mm. um, that maybe you weren't really across while you were doing rounds, yeah. you know, that suddenly there's, you know, money be, needing to go back to yeah. the office about things and just a whole other layer of things that you – you just you don't know how you missed it yep. when you were in schools for you know while you were training. Mm. Um, sorry, I was thinking about something to do with my first year there too. Uh, I, know, I, I, think we're <laughs> I really like that <laughs> idea about. of the novice because, of course, you haven't got the same skills as basically yeah. every other person near you. And I think that's also why graduate teachers tend to you know come together a little yeah. bit is you really are looking for support and people having really similar experiences yeah. to you. So I often feel, really feel for people who what they've found themselves in as a graduate teacher um, in, a, in a remote area, yeah. you know, where it's really hard to have sort of that social network of mm. other people having a similar experience. And, and so, again, opportunities for online forums and things mm. like that I think are really important in, in terms of supporting those people. Um, but But I go back to that idea of sort of, it takes 10,000 hours, oh, yeah. 10,000 hours to become sort of an expert in something. And so that thing that you watched people do where they're clear, well, a, a good teacher makes it look effortless. Yeah. Mm. 
And actually what you know is that they are absolutely multitasking, mm. correcting behaviour, moving on with content, um, drawing a, a student in who's maybe disengaged for a moment. They're doing all of that at once and they make it look so easy. Yep. And as a graduate, I also remember just this sense of real frustration yep. that I wasn't the teacher I wanted to be. Yeah. And worse, I, well, I'm similar. I started doing sort of short-term mm-hmm. replacement because that was the work that was available. Yep. Yep. So my first ongoing role wasn't until about 18 months into, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I started in a Catholic boys' school yep. and senior boys. They were huge. Um, so physicality oh, was yeah. part of yes. that classroom experience too. And, you know, that age is sort of 22, 23, they're yep. 18, yep. you know, like I actually had a lot more in common with the kids than I did yep. with some of the other yep. staff. Yep. And so that whole boundaries, how do you have relationship but mm. maintain sort of a professional line yep. Um or, you know, there's, when you think of it, how anyone survives that first couple of years is just amazing. Yep. And I think it's even just going back to what you were saying before about, you know, watching other teachers and seeing how well they do and how they juggle so many things. I mean, I remember my that, those first few weeks is I was in a classroom by myself and suddenly the door shut and there's not that room <laughs> to talk with others and or even to watch another teacher teach. Mm. I know things have got better, yep. you know, that there's a bit more of um, – you know, classes working together and, and there's that time that Just schools induction make. induction in general. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, and, and schools make time for you maybe to be out of your classroom to go and watch somebody else. But that first few weeks of that door being shut and you can't mm-hmm. watch anybody else and yeah. see what else because you used to pick up so many things, you know, on your rounds and watch, oh, I like the way they said that or mm. pulled that kid in. But when you don't have that for the first few weeks, you're doing it by yourself, you're kind of going on what you know. But, how, yeah, how do you develop yourself that way? Mm. I think time's such an important mm. element to that, yeah. you know, that time to yeah, um, see colleagues doing it, uh, that time to plan, to mm. plan with other people, mm. um, to to reflect on what you've done and what's working and what's not, you yeah. know. I think that that element of um, finding or creating time mm. so that I guess, you know, I, I realised that I'd use the word survival I actually don't just want graduate teachers to survive. Mm. I want them to be able to flourish. Yeah. And and so um, I think schools have gotten much better at it. Yep. Um, and some of that's been pushed by unions in, mm. in terms of things like, you know, freeing up some release time and, yep. and induction programs and things like that. But, but I also think that they recognise it. But time to sit with someone mm. and go through things. And yep. I know you were talking, Kate, about, um, you, you feel a, sort of a bit of a burden on others. Yeah. I think to me schools now and your opportunity to maybe write down a whole heap of things that you want to check in with someone around, flick them an email and say, I really want to talk to you about that. I think there are things that make that a bit easier yes, yes. than it maybe once yes, was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's certainly things there around um, around creating a supportive culture. And, again, I think generally Teachers love supporting their yeah. teachers. Yeah. You know, how, how fortunate are we that we've really got this um, collective approach to, to our profession? Yep. But but there is something really isolating about the in-the-classroom experience, and I think we need to do more about how we help people within the classroom without it seeing, being seen as sort of some undue scrutiny to mm. people. Yeah. So... 
you know, we, we've all talked about that difficulty of, mm-hmm. of feeling like a fraud when you start. I mean, yep. I remember I had a, um, a, a um, student teacher for you know, a few weeks at one point, and she was asking me a series of questions that eventually I realised what she was getting at because there was a feeling I'd had too. So I, I just said to her, are you worried that you were away the day that they told you how to teach? And she just looked at me with this like look of relief on her yep. face like, yep. Yes, I am worried. I think I might have missed the day. <laughs> but don't worry. <laughs> Seriously, for a couple of years, I thought the same thing. Yeah. And I know I didn't miss any days. And still, like, I thought maybe I just forgot to tell us. Um, the article that I was mentioning earlier talks about the idea of, like, um, he's a, he, he teaches student teachers. Yeah. Um, and he says, like, he gets this feeling from the class of just stop with all this other stuff and give me the manual. Like, I just want to know how yes. to do it right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Given that, um, you know, that idea that, you know, it, it's easy to feel like a fraud, do you think there's also things, though, that as a graduate teacher you bring to the role that those with experience don't? So there's a, a degree of, you know, um, enthusiasm, yep. a capacity to work longer hours in those first few years that may wane over time. I mean, I, I feel like I, you know, got, got smarter with the work that I did the, the more I progressed. Yes. So I wasn't spending, you know, I wasn't up till 10 o'clock every night because mm. I knew or the more important parts to focus on. So do you think, you know, the, the enthusiasm, the capacity for hard work, and even what you raised, Kylie, the, the fact that you're closer in age to your students than you are to the mm. teachers gives you some sort of insight into their way of thinking. Do you think there's some benefits there as well? Oh, absolutely. And that opportunity to throw yourself into sort of the life of a school that's broader than just your classroom is actually part of you developing a support structure for yourself yep. you know you, you get to know colleagues in a different way you get to know students in a different way and so much of that's just about developing good relationship but yeah I went on every camp you oh, know yeah. every camp and look partly it's about where you are in your life at yeah. that point yes. too that yeah. you're you're you don't have kids mm. you you're usually not married mm. you 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 know you've just got much more flexibility and what yep. you can handle yep. I think there's a bit of a, um, a note of caution there about trying to keep some balance though mm. because it could become all consuming yeah. and and I know that that was a that was a struggle throughout my teaching mm. career of maintaining a sense of balance and relationships outside of school mm. um, and you know I just think that those things around um, yeah nurturing all of your relationships is yeah. really important in fact I, I think that that thing about relationship is so significant in a because you you become a bit tunnel visioned mm. about the, what you need to have mm. done for the class yeah. and you forget that actually, well, I don't think you even forget. At that point in your career, you don't realise that the content isn't as important, you yeah. know, mm. and yes, it's your safety blanket that you're falling back to because you feel more comfortable with that and, of course, you should plan and all of those yeah. things. But it's the other stuff. It's the talking, the, you know, finding out what footy team your kids barrack yeah. for yes. and all of those things that help you to actually um, address some of that classroom management stuff in a different way because you know who you're working with. Yeah. And what helped you, Kate, in, in that first year that you <laughs> spelled out so vividly for us? What, what, what were the things that sustained you? What did help? And, and you know, how, how could you, you know, relied on them even further? What helped me? Um... Look, I think 
um, having some friends who were teachers around me, you know, as my partner, he taught for two years. So I think he, and also because he was, this was his third year out, mm-hmm. he suddenly had a bit more of that experience yeah. and he's like, oh, you don't need to be spending all that time doing yeah. your work. Like he actually kind of, I suppose, brought me back down to earth a little bit, you know. Um, and I suppose having the friends from uni that were all in the same position, mm-hmm. you know, so keeping in touch with the people that I was, um, yeah, that I was, that I had trained with, yep. you know, and then, yeah, so I speak seeking outside people at school. So, yeah, it was really probably relying on others mm. just to, you know, really get me through it. Mm. And I suppose also thinking back that you did really enjoy working with the students, mm. you yep. know, that you kind of go, actually, I know there's all this other stuff going on, which a lot of it was, mm. you know, outside the classroom, mm. but actually going, I actually enjoy being in here and teaching you oh. guys how to read, yep. mm. you know, and so that, I suppose, kept me going too. I, I similarly had a group of other beginning teachers that I knew um, that taught. We were sort of in the same sort of couple of suburb area. We'd regularly meet together on Thursday sort of mm. nights for drinks. Um, and this is probably a really bad way of thinking about it, but what worked for me was I'd, they'd tell their stories and, you know, I'd tell mine, and their stories were so much worse than mine. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, you know, it could be a lot worse than this. Yeah. Somehow that was a huge relief for me. Yeah. I think that's a really common trait, though. That's one of the things that when you have people come in for PD mm-hmm. or um, I know when we have reps come in mm-hmm. from our workplaces for training, yeah. um, a really common thing is people go, oh, I thought we had some issues. But <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited about going back and getting cracking on with those because yeah. <laughs> actually in comparison everything's pretty good. Yeah. And I think that opportunity to sort of step out of your yes. little box for a bit sometimes is is just as important as anything else. So I, I would really, you know, as I said, talking to friends, I, I'm, I'm really keen to say, you know, try not to bring work home with you. Yeah. You know, stay, stay and get stuff done because otherwise you, you're freaking yourself out. But, you know, clear your weekends. Don't, you know, and, and you know, this is this is learnt from poor experience yeah. of myself. It's the best way to learn Absol- anything. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that other thing is um, that every colleague has something to teach you. Yep. Yeah. It, it might be how not to do something, mm-hmm. but every colleague has got something that you're going to learn from them. Yeah. And I think that your first couple of years, you really need to use your newness as a as, to get the opportunity to yep. go into other people's classrooms. So observe, you know, critique, you know, listen to conversations between other colleagues. I think this is where shared staff room space is just awesome. Yep. You learn so much from listening to colleagues. I remember sitting. I was very fortunate when I started. Um, getting placed next to a teacher who'd been to, an ex, a brother actually a, a religious, in a religious school. He'd been teaching for over 30 years and I loved that some days he came out going, oh, my God, that class was just out of control oh, yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. I found that so fantastic yeah. because it, it reminded me that everyone has bad days yeah. Yeah. and that it wasn't just about me. It's just the ebb and flow yes. and – what I really loved is um, one day I had told him that I'd come really close to walking out of the class yeah. and he said, don't do it. He goes, because you, you've got to walk back in. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, well, you know, and, he, and, and then he had a really good conversation with me about yeah. different strategies for dealing with it. And, you know, it's just that thing of I do think you need to show a bit of 
if you're feeling vulnerable, mm. you need to get advice. And, yeah. mm. you know, I think unions have a role in that. Mm. We certainly talk to a lot of graduate teachers who perhaps have struggled on a little too long mm. before they've sought out some advice and support. So, you know, if, if you're a member, pick up the phone and get some advice. And it might be that we just refer you to somebody else in your school mm. to follow it up with, or it might be that there's actually something more significant that you do need some additional support, and that's exactly what unions are there for. So uh, I just think that you you tend to do coping for too long. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yeah. And so I was going to ask more about that, about your role in, in current role mm. working for the union, um, those uh, graduate teachers that do come to you. Is there a theme in, in the kinds of issues that they have? Um, yeah, I think there are. There are some themes around – it absolutely uh, still surprises me the number of people who sign a contract without understanding the terms of that contract. Oh, yeah. yep. You know, if you're – if you you know, student membership is free mm-hmm. – so most people, you know, why wouldn't you be a member of the unions mm-hmm. when you can do it for free? And your first contract, you're going to be able to get advice before you sign it. Yep. Um, I think that that's that thing around, you know, understanding what, what you're actually signing on to. Um, I think that we get quite a few things around workload and mentoring and induction mm-hmm. and, you know, lack of clarity about expectations. Yep. Um, and schools, some schools do it brilliantly and some schools are still improving that and need to improve it. Um, so I think that there's a, a lot more around sort of um, I've, I've found myself in this situation that I don't feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I think that if you were going to give a theme, then that might be that you're asked to do an activity that you don't oh, feel yeah. you can do, yeah. um, you're, you're not confident about the ratios on something, you're you're not sure how much time release you should have, you're, you're sick but you feel like you have to keep coming because people keep asking you questions about what class, you know, classwork you've left, mm-hmm. you know, a whole heap of stuff like that. So, yeah, it runs the gamut really. This is um, my experience around sort of going from a grad to someone sort of in the more medium level of experience um, and I'd be interested to find out whether this sort of rings true for you because, Kylie, you raised the sort of Malcolm Gladwell idea of the... 10,000 hours. Mm. Elsa really talks about sort of automaticity, the idea that once you do something enough times, you sort of forget that you even didn't know it, yeah. That, yeah. that you're even doing it, and and the the triggers to make you do it become so automatic you yeah. forget why you're doing it. I, I noticed it myself when I was talking to a parent and um, I, I could see a student running around the classroom, I sort of stopped mid-sentence talking to the parent and leant down and dealt with it for two seconds and stood up and continued on mid-sentence where I'd been talking to the parent. And I went, when did I, how did we got, when did I see him? When did I decide <laughs> yeah, to yeah, do that? Yeah. When did I get good at this? Yeah. Like, it just it, it took me by surprise. And what it made me realise is as much as we sort of say, you know, it, it, um, better mentoring helps, I, I think it must be hard in a mentoring role because what you're trying to describe to someone is something that you forgot mm, you didn't mm. know how to do and yep. you forgot um, you even had to learn. Yeah, I, I absolutely uh, support the point. I think it's almost impossible to break down this really complex task and hand it off. You know, it's mm. like, here's the answers, you yeah. know, good luck with that. But it's, well, I guess what it is is continuing to talk about practice, mm-hmm. continuing to talk about reading the room, yeah. And, yeah, I still remember the first time I managed to sort of deal with something with a gesture yeah. and 
but continue on with what I was actually talking about. I felt like a rock star. Uh, I just thought, oh, my God, that finally happened. I've been waiting for that to happen and it just happened and, oh, my God, I'm so awesome. (laughs) Maybe maybe I can do this job. And you just go – it's that thing of you're going to keep adding elements to that, Mm. but only if you're getting that opportunity to see it, reflect, you know, have conversations about how. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so it's all hooked in, but, yeah, you're right. I think a real challenge for mentors is how do I break it down Mm. without Mm. sounding like a patronising git Mm. as well? (laughs) Because I think I know I'm I'm really concerned that I fall into that at times and Mm. it's something I'm really conscious of is to go, um, okay, try and put yourself in that person's shoes. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Kate? Do you remember sort of the moment at which you realised, oh, wait a minute, all of a sudden Mm. this isn't taking the mental energy it used to take to make these decisions and deal with things appropriately? I don't know if I remember the moment, but I think when I've had student teachers in my class, I think suddenly then, yeah, like you said Mm. before, trying to articulate to them Mm. what you do, what's in a lesson, what's Mm. involved, you know, is really tricky. And then then at the end they might ask a question, you're like, oh, yeah, that's what I do as well. So it's, it is quite difficult to explain. The only thing I will say is I, I think the last few years um, that made it a little bit easier with having student teachers, and I, I assume this is then will flow on to obviously a graduate teacher, mm-hmm. is that now at what the, the most recent school experience I've had is that there was like um, a lesson structure on how to teach a lesson. Oh, there yeah. was a school-wide focus on how mm-hmm. we did everything. So then when I had that student teacher and that, final year I taught, but it was like, hey, so this is how our lessons are structured. Mm. These are the types of questions we'll have. Yeah. This is, you know, what our school focus is. Yeah. I'll be, you know, doing this and then this and then mm. this. And so it seemed to outline it a little bit easier mm. to kind of almost go, hey, so this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And then all those other little things, I suppose, came along. Mm. Yeah. Probably reduces the number of decisions you have to make as a grade. I think yes. that's the hardest thing. Deciding what to teach, how to teach, when to teach, how to deal with the behaviour issues—just the list is huge—and and a structure like that takes some of those decisions yep. out of yep. your hands, meaning you can devote more mental energy to the other decisions you have to make. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great point. I think you know why do we feel the need to uh, to not re to sorry to reinvent the wheel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you have a fallback structure in anything, yeah. it, it makes it easier. Yeah. You know, if you can start something with a template, mm. you, it. You, you've just halved the job, yeah. you know, um, and I don't really get, you know, yeah, eventually you're going to get bored working mm-hmm. that way yeah. and it's great if, you know, it's great that uh, all teachers sort of come out with the ability to be able to develop curriculum mm-hmm. um, and some people are more naturally gifted than others yeah. yep. um, and that's okay as well. You know, it, I, it, I think sometimes we do get a little sort of, um, yeah, rigid in um, – I've got to come up with something mm. new all yeah. the time, yeah. and you, who who can do that? It's exhausting, mm. and you'd be much better putting that energy elsewhere mm. to really reflect on practice. The the other point I, I keep coming back to, I know I've talked to you about it before, is your what you bring to your classroom. Mm. You know, so I think part of the struggle of graduate teachers is you're anxious, yeah, <laughs> because you are doing something new, and it is quite an exposing mm. sort of it feels raw mm. and there's a it's you you're wanting to have personality but you're also wanting to keep control yeah. and i think that control thing is a it's a it's a real it's a really we get a bit hung yeah. up on it yeah. and so it's that thing about you know just learning to breathe 
just learning to go with it. And as long, you know, no one's going to, well, rarely yeah. is someone going to come close to dying in your classroom. Although I do have one incident where the boy playing with an electrical cord where it probably came a bit too close oh, for no. me. Um, but, like, the, um, you, you just sort of go, actually, yeah. just breathe, just try and roll with it. Yeah. You know, give yourself a moment within that class to 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 think about the best way yeah. rather than that really feeling this pressure to instantly um, respond to mm. things. Yep. The ability to laugh, I think, can be yes. underrated. Yes. Totally underrated. Mm. Yeah, totally it's underrated. Fun. And just, you know, to have some fun. Mm. Yeah. I once um, uh, in a different capacity was helping out in the classroom and, geez, some hilarious things happened and mm. the teacher didn't laugh and I was <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah, like, I, that was funny. If that was on TV, everyone <laughs> would laugh at that. Yeah. YouTube now, Max. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I think back. I, I'm always slightly embarrassed when I meet people again that I taught when I was a graduate yeah. because I wasn't the teacher mm. that I wanted to be. Mm. I was a bit of a yeller. Yeah. Um, I was really too serious mm. about it all. Yeah. Um, and so I often think, you know, it must be you know, interesting at reunions or something. If if two kids that had me at different times in my career get together, yeah. they, they really literally experience quite a different yep. person. <laughs> and so, you know, gee, I wish I'd just been able to know to go with it a bit more. Yeah. And like, I, I was generally okay, but you know, there was just maybe that one class. So, mm-hmm. you know, secondary, you've always got that one class. Yeah. <laughs> and you just that you know, you just felt like you weren't cutting it. You raised earlier an idea that I, I think really surprised me how much it, it, it really hit me. Um, the, you talked about the brother who talked about having a, a bad class. Yep. And that idea that um, another teacher with more mm. experience showing mm. some vulnerability, yep. I think that is a key for me around yep. what would make me feel better as a grad today. Yep. If I, yeah, if, if other teachers were articulating to me, yeah, like, you know, this will get better, yep. but some of it's just like this for everyone. Yes. Something about that vulnerability I think would be really supportive. Well, I think that um, stuff that we disclose to another in the staff room mm. about that class we're struggling with, mm. yep. that, that's, that's our connection mm. as teachers, yes. you know, that, that's us showing vulnerability to one yep. another, um, seeking some support and advice from one another and, you know, there may be strategies that somebody's used that have got some improvement with that group or, you know, I think it's more worrying when, you, when you're concerned that you're the only one yeah, um, yeah. It, because then it, it, you, you're automatically assuming it, it has to be because of you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the other thing is, you know, I'm talking about those sorts of issues in schools quite frequently and you go, well, there'll be more than one factor to that. You know, yes, a teacher's incredibly influential, but there's other things at play there. Mm. Kids make choices about how they behave, um, and some of that will be despite the very best strategies that are in place there. So, you know, I I think if you just look at it in isolation like that, whereas, you know, I love that idea of a much more whole school approach Mm. to things, and Mm. I'm a big believer that the best... um, class, you know, uh, student management systems are ones where everyone sort of is talking about the same kid at the same time and what's working and what's not and so that you get a bit of a sense of that whole person through a day. How about you, Kate? Did you experience a lot of, uh, in your beginning 
part of your career yeah. you experience a lot of more experienced teachers showing some vulnerability showing you that you know it's okay that that some issues will come up and that you may still want to learn even when you're in an experienced yeah. stage of your career um, I think I remember a little bit um, during my rounds, mm-hmm. you know, particularly my last year, um, you know, because I was there quite a bit throughout the year. Yeah. So I think I do remember things happening in moments and, oh, gosh, suddenly this teacher's got to leave because this incident's happening mm-hmm. outside and then she'd had a bad day. And, and so I remember that. But then I think in my first year, I don't think I really remember or mm-hmm. anyone having that, oh, gosh, I've had a bad day too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's been a few years in and and – then now, like, I mean, I work best by, I suppose, t- telling people that, you know, I've had a bad moment or mm, a recess yeah. come in and going, oh, my gosh. And so then I, I suppose then I have found some other people that, you know, much do like the same thing, you know. And I think I've managed to support a few younger teachers in the last few years of my career, you mm. know, by me going, hey, that was yeah. a terrible morning, where they look at me and go, well, you've taught for 10 years, mm. you know, when they're first or second year out. Yeah. And so I did have a few people, even when I was teaching art just part-time, a few graduates coming in just to kind of see what my – for them to get it off their chest, but then also to see what thoughts and how – what I could do to support them. They actually came and sought me, which was really Mm. nice, you know. Um, And I suppose, you know, giving my experience back. But then also I was, you know, friends with them, but I wasn't actually involved where I could give some – feedback or some ideas, mm. you know, where I think if you're in a team, sometimes going up to people being vulnerable in your team mm. or to your mentor teacher could be could be difficult. So this person, you know, was they could come and speak to me separate from their team and then go back. There's actually know? quite a bit of research that sort of supports that, that sort of having to bear your soul mm. to a line manager in a sense yeah. is actually really unlikely yeah. to mm-hmm. properly support people yeah. and that um, uh, proper peer-to-peer um, arrangements are much better. Yeah. And and I guess that the, the thing about that is you often hear um, mentors in particular say, you know, I, I, I sense that someone's really sh- such and such is really struggling, mm-hmm. but they're, they're really not talking to me yeah. about that. And you go, well, you know, do you ever talk about lessons that you've had mm-hmm. that don't go quite so yeah. well? And it has never even occurred to them to mm. be the first one to sort of bear their soul. Yeah. And, and you know, you are really unlikely to unload on someone where it's not reciprocal in some way. Mm. You, yeah. know, you even think of that in your friendships. Yeah. yeah, you might have somebody who's going through yeah. a particular struggle who's, who's you know, unloading more. Mm. But if at no point you got it back, mm. You, mm. you just wouldn't really feel that it was a genuine yeah. relationship. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so I think that that's a really sort of interesting one of we've got to model our our reflective practice yeah. if we want to you know call it something much more positive. Yeah. But it's that thing of what what worked, what didn't work. Mm. How how might I do that differently? Yeah, yeah. Because I I don't feel like I had a lot of experienced teachers that I dealt with in my first couple of years of teaching who showed me their vulnerability and yeah. their mm. their um, the things they were worried about mm. with their own teaching practice. And I think what you're saying there, Kylie, is exactly how I felt. I felt oh, well, this is how a teacher behaves. Mm. They don't talk about the things that they're worried about or mm. things that are going wrong for them. So I've, you know, sort of felt like that was the role model and I needed yeah. to copy that as well. And it was only with the Thursday night grad drinking yeah. group that the, the, the stories would come out, mm. you know. The, you know, the child just couldn't be coaxed back inside and, you know, all the other terrible things that were going on. <laughs> yeah. Happen, yeah. yeah. Um, we might go back to our big question for today, which was um, 
how can we effectively support teachers to build a long-term career in teaching? I suppose to me the, the highlight of this question is that long-term part. Mm. Um, Kylie, you talked about the idea that it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert yeah. at anything. And there is a lot of research to support this idea that teachers only really become effective around the eight-year sort of mm. mark and on in their teaching career. And, yeah, we know also statistically that, um, you know, there's a huge dropout of mm. the profession after five. Yeah. So we're really not quite getting there. No, yeah. exactly. So what can we do to support them to stay mm. and to support them to grow while they're staying? Yeah. Do you have any? I, I, I've got a lot of theories on mm. it and I think that one is that, that focus on PD and continual yeah. learning but not in – pressurised way in a mm -hmm. way that just helps you to have more, you know, strings to your bow yep. um, so that you are – because there are some things that are a natural fit in your practice mm. and there are other things where you can know about it but it, you ne you're never going to feel comfortable with yep. it. And, and so there's a lot of trial and error mm. in those first few years. Um, I think that uh, the more that we can develop um, structures that help graduate teachers mm. or teachers in their first few years come together mm. uh, and share experiences and have opportunities for PD and, and to just, you know, have a moment to breathe with like-minded people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I see a very strong role for the unions there and that's why we're, I think, rolling out such, you know, conference programs and PD programs and, you know, our PD in the pub is, mm. is enormously successful. Um, so because it's just about getting newly qualified people together in mm. a room who hear a great speaker and, and you know, that I think there's a geographic aspect to that as well. Mm. That, you know, we're, we're getting people who are within neighbouring schools who it's just good to have an awareness of somebody else having mm. a similar mm. experience to you and maybe those, those more social networks come from that as well. Yep. To me, um, that idea of vulnerability is really hit yes. home. I, I feel like... Um, I felt extraordinarily vulnerable in my first few years of teaching and I thought I was the only one feeling mm. like that. Um, so the networks of other teachers going through a similar um, thing is, mm. is really valuable. Um, but less on a systemic sort of you know way, you know, how do we set up structures and more on an individual level. I think if I'd known more experienced teachers who were willing to share their failures with me as well, mm. I would have felt a lot more... Um, relieved that you know it wasn't just me but also more open to seeking support because like I said earlier I, I didn't seek the support that was being made available to me because I didn't think that was uh, what a good teacher would do. Yep. Um, Kate what do you think? Would yeah look I like the vulnerability too you mm. know I think that having experienced teachers you know um, come out and say oh gosh that lesson was mm. terrible and what are we going to do about it I think having people share that I think is really important, you know, because it's and then also about the reflection and what are you going to do tomorrow, mm -hmm. you know, and because and maybe graduates might turn around and have a shocking lesson and then just go, oh, I'm just going to pretend that never happened and skip over yeah, it, yeah. you know, where a lot of, um, you know, I think the teachers with a bit more experience would go, okay, well, that didn't go so well. What can I do now, you know? And then maybe just, um, you know, with their workload, just helping them kind of mm. maybe day by day or week by week, you know, try and give them short, um, you know, short kind of tasks across the week mm. rather than to feel so overwhelmed, especially at a busy time, mm. term four, term two, you know, where things feel quite overwhelming. Mm. But I wonder though, which is something that's not in our control, but whether even back to uni, mm. you know, that, that there needs to be more time out 
you know, in schools and, and seeing those things happen like the, um, you know, the roll done in the morning and, mm. you know, actually being um, immersed, immersed properly. properly. Mm. Like I didn't get out. Mm. I didn't get out into school till May, my second year, yep, mm-hmm. you know, and that was a long time. And I knew I wanted to be in education somewhere. But for those people that had never really spoken to a child before, mm. that's huge, mm. you know. So maybe there needs to be something where there's a bit more closer contact and maybe in the fourth year being out a whole lot more than you're in at uni. But yeah. I said, out I think of that, that, control a that idea bit. of expo- you know, more exposure and that being an inbuilt part of the, getting the qualifications is a really significant thing. I think also there's, there's, there is just there's more work to be done on mm-hmm. getting people uh, proper time within schools to concentrate oh, yep. on practice, yep. and you know, um, graduates are part of that. But but actually, that's something that that's how we improve schools yep. is to give people an opportunity to properly plan and prepare and to work together collaboratively. Because what we know is that that develops the best mm. educational programs. Yep. And so you know, until we get some improvement on those things, mm-hmm. which is always a struggle to get those mm. improvements, we're going to continue to sort of um, be just trying to trying to do our best yep. within a construct that really isn't designed to help. Yeah. Well, thanks, Carly. Thanks yeah, for thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank really you. Good. The Teacher Learning Network podcast is hosted by Kate Chinner and Max Grarock. The Teacher Learning Network is the not-for-profit teacher professional development organisation that's supported by the Australian Education Union's Victorian branch and the Independent Education Union's Victoria Tasmania branch. We produce online and face-to-face professional learning opportunities for educators in schools and early childhood services. We also publish books, magazines and apps to support the education community. To view a calendar of our courses and find out more about our resources, please visit our website at www.tln.org.au. The Teacher Learning Network is a membership-based organisation. Schools and early childhood services join the TLN to support the individual professional learning needs of their staff. Once members, all staff can participate in our professional learning at no extra charge. To find out more about joining, visit www.tln.org.au forward slash join. If your school is a member of the Teacher Learning Network, you can produce a certificate recording your engagement with this podcast. These are great pieces of evidence for your professional learning records. You can generate a certificate by visiting www.tln.org.au forward slash podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback or input about the issues we've discussed today or any other suggestions for future podcasts. Please email any feedback or suggestions through to me via max at tln.org.au. If you like this podcast, please rate or review it in your podcast app. It helps us reach more teachers. Have a great day and you'll hear from us again in a couple of weeks.